January 30th, 2024, we're in Masechet Bava If you count up from where the lines get wide, so you count upward, it's about uh, 12 lines up, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 lines up. Uh, the Gemara is uh, returning to the Mishnah. The Mishnah, if you recall, described and painted for us the context wherein you'd be hayav for nezek, you'd be uh, obligated to pay for damages that you caused to another. And there were several uh, situations that were necessary to be met. One of them was, If you recall, if the damage took place on the property of the mazik, of the person who caused the damage under such circumstances, in such a situation, there's no obligation to pay. That explains the Gemara quite simply, because the person whose animal, let's say, damaged the other person's animal. So let's uh, imagine you took your cat or your dog for a walk on my property, and my dog comes out on my property and attacks your dog. Because there's a rhetorical question, which the person, the mazik, who caused the damage, uh, expresses to the person, the nizak, who got damaged. Torcha, your shore, your ox, your dog, birshuti, on my property, my ba'e, what was it doing? What was it interested in? In other words, you had no right to be there to begin with. It's my property, my private possessions, etc. The fact that you got damaged or your animal got damaged on my property makes me exempt, quite simply stated, the halakha is, if you enter into, or your property, better yet, enters into another person's property and gets damaged, there's no liability on behalf of the person who damages. What if, uh, for example, the person gave you permission to enter onto their property? So, of course, the Gemara providing the logic for us is telling us that if you have permission to be on my property, then I would be liable. I gave you permission. I told you whenever you want, take a walk with your dog and you, or your cat on my property. The fact that my dog attacked, I can't say, I can't say, uh, what's your ox doing on my property? I'm well aware why your ox is on my property. You had permission to be there. All right, the Gemara continues. It won't make a difference. The point is, it's my property. You don't have rights to be on my property. That's not with regards to responsibility for payment. That's with regards to your responsibility to prevent damages or death happening to someone. There's two separate things. How much do I have to pay for it? And what's my responsibility in terms of building a safe... Uh, in the case a, of safe defense, are you chayat? As a person chayat if somebody falls off, or is it lashes? If a person yeah, enters onto their, their property, no, no, you're not chayat. So it's lashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo tasim damim b'vetecha. Lo tasim damim b'vetecha. And it's what ta'aseh, ma'akeh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, just parenthetically, I should have started the class this way. Yesterday, thank you for speaking up, Jeffrey. Jeffrey asked a question uh, earlier in the Gemara. If you recall, earlier in the Gemara, the Gemara was wondering, I'm taking it out of context briefly, but you know, we'll, we'll just mention, if you remember the question, I'll just strengthen the question for a moment. The Gemara was asking about what it meant in our Mishnah, when the Mishnah said one of those qualifications was that the person who was damaged was a Ben Berit. Do you remember that? And the Gemara questioned that. It said, well, what does Ben Berit mean? It must be that he's not an idolater. It means that he's a Jewish person is the easiest way of translating it. And I said, but we learned that already later on. That's in the Mishnah. Later on, explicitly over there it says, Yisrael, not Oved Kochavim. Why are you speaking in uh, mysterious ways, Ben Berit over here? And the Gemara answered that, well, it's written initially a little bit vaguely and later on it'll explain it. The question that Jeffrey asked was, well, maybe when it says Ben Berit in our Mishnah, it's coming to include another individual 
In other words, even if you are, so to speak, Jewish from birth and entirely genetically Jewish, if you're not part of the covenant, meaning you're not following, meaning you're more specifically, you're an Oved Avodah Zarah as a Jew, that's what our Mishnah is telling us. The Mishnah later on, as Judah pointed out, where it says Oved Kochavi means non-Jews. The Mishnah over here is telling you even a Jew, if the Jew doesn't believe in God, if the Jew is worshiping other lowercase g gods, in such a circumstance, I'm not liable. That was his question. It can't be, I, I understand, that's, that's why I mentioned Judah in this context. Because Judah pointed out, whenever we say Aved Kochavim in Gemara and Mishnah, we always mean non-Jew. We always mean that. We don't mean just a person who's doing it. We mean a non-Jew. So that's a, and to strengthen the question, in truth, the, I, I, I saw that the, uh, the Aharonim asked this question. No, no one, to the best of my knowledge, gives a strong answer. There's a Tosafot in Masechet uh, Sanhedrin, and the context we learned together is if you see a person chasing after another to kill them, you're supposed to issue a hatra, a warning. And you're supposed to say, and the words of the Gemara are, you say to him, see, that this individual you're about to kill is Yisrael who? Uben Beritu. He is a member of Am Yisrael, and he's a Ben Berit, and he's a member of the covenant, or he's a person of covenant, of Berit. Tosafot questions, what's the repetitious, repetition? Uh, if he's Israel, so then of course he's Ben Berit. Tosafot suggests Israel means that he's not Kuti. Israel means he's Jewish. Ben Berit means, and he's not a Mumar, means he's a person who is observant, he's a person who admits to. Uh, the truths of Judaism. It means that the word ben berit could be referring to a person genetically and familiarly uh, Jewish, but nonetheless not practicing Judaism. So this question's only strengthened. for an answer. Anyway, it says the Gemara Urushut Hanizak Vehamazik. The next qualification and final one in the Mishnah was something about Rishut Hanizak Vehamazik. And I'm briefly going to uh, read again the Mishnah that we learned because it'll be the, the conversation in the Gemara is assuming we remember how it's written in the Mishnah. Here's how the Mishnah writes it. Again, there's a whole long list of situations where you're liable for damage and where you're not. And then at the end of it was the case that we just uh, talked about, Uhut, except for Mirishut HaMiyuhedet Lamazik. All right, in other words, if it's miyuhad, it's unique, it's specific for me, the owner who damaged, I'm not liable. The next words in the Mishnah read as follows. U, and the vav, oftentimes means and, but and could mean and one more case, or and, and it's the same, it says ureshut hanizak vehamazik. The next words are and the property of shared property, of the mazik and the nizak, the person who damaged and got damaged. Right, so the question is, is that word hoots, except for mentioning both the property of specifically the owner uh, who damaged, or is the hoots excluding as well partnership property? The way I just read the Mishnah, there's no two ways of reading this. Of course it means partnership property is as well excluded. A partnership property, if you and me are partners on this property and my animal damage is yours, I'm not liable. That's the simple way of reading it the way we just presented it. The thing is, there are next words in the Mishnah. The next words in the Mishnah go like this. When there's a damage that is done, the person who damaged needs to pay with high quality land. 
Where, how do you read those words? Do those words stand independent of everything we just mentioned? Or are those words the end of a sentence? What I mean by that is as follows. I'll say it in English and I'll show you a, a, a comma or a period is very significant. It goes like this. It says, except for the case where the damage happens on the property of the damager. Pause. Stop. And in a case where it's partner, partnership property, when there's a damage that is done, you have to pay. That's one way of reading it, which means to say that the partnership property is, I have to pay. The other way of reading it is, you didn't, put, you didn't pause in the right spot. It goes like this, except for a case where it's the property of the person who damaged and the property of partnership of damaged and damager, period, and in general, in cases where you're liable, when you damage, you have to pay with highest quality land. You understand? In other words, the question just is, where do you put the period? Where do you put the comma? And it's a major difference. The major difference is, what's the halacha in a situation where there's partnership? We call it shutafut. You and I share this land. We have shared partnership in this land. And I cause damage to you on this land. That's the two ways of reading it. All right, so let's see it now in the Gemara. That's, that's what uh, we're uh, going up against. What's that? Two ways of reading it are uh, halakha or reading. I'll do both. Halakha, the question is whether partnership land, shutafut land, there's a chiyuv nezek, whether you have to pay or not. That's the mahloket. Uh, the two ways of reading it are hut, except for, and I'm reading it all as one, reshut hamiyuhedet lamazik, that's when you're not liable. The and reshut shel mazik v'nizak, partnership. Alternatively, it's hut mereshut hanizak, Period. That you be hayav. So the Gemara will now deal with. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, nice question. You're bringing me back into that, really. That's it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I gotcha, I gotcha. You could bring me back into evaluating. It's an interesting and important question. I've, my mind's not there right now, Jess. I've got to keep it here for a, a few minutes. Again, the first opinion here of Rav Hasta in the name of Avimi is Haser Hashutafin. Now, again, that word Shutafin means partners. Hayav ba al Hashin ve al Haregel. You're obligated to pay for damage which was done by your animal, by your property with Shin. Oregel, what shen? Shen is where there's benefit. It ate from the land. It scratched itself and damaged through the benefit. Regel is trampling the land. And as Rashi points out, it goes without saying, of course, Kerin, where it gored. That's right. As uh, A.B. said, Kerin, it's very clear. Kerin, even if it's in a shutarabim, out in the middle of the street, if my animal gores yours, I'm liable for payment. There's no question about Kerin is going to be Hayav. The question specifically, as Rashi makes clear for us, has to do with the pasuk in the Torah. It's not only the reading in the Mishnah, it's the pasuk in the Torah. Because the pasuk says, in the context of Shen and Regel, which is mentioned in one pasuk, according to the rabbi's understanding, it says, Ubi'er bisde aher. And it damaged, it trampled, and ate, because they both mentioned pasuk, bisde aher. Sadeh, of course, is a field. Aher means another person. 
What does it mean another person's land? Does it need to be entirely another person's land? And I'm only, and I'm exempt even when I'm in partnership. It's not entirely another person's land. It's partially my land. Or does ubi'er bisteahir just mean it has to be in a owned land as opposed to in rishut rabim, out in the public area? That's the question. How am I going to pay? No, no, I'm trying to. Oh, you're asking about if, if it damaged the land, how am I going to pay? I'm going to pay based on your ownership in this. I'll pay pop, uh, half of it if it's right. Yeah. It might be part of the same question as well. In other words, why would, why would there be a tour? Why would there be an exemption? Because maybe the Torah assumes that if it's a shared land, it's not going to be possible or feasible for you to be able. It, it, might, it might only lo- lend logic to that halakha. So in that case, it was a shared land, and one of the owner's animals gores another owner's. Gores was caden for sure. Tramples or, or eats from the land. Oh, from the land. Mm-hmm. One of the farmers from its own land. Well, it's from my own land and your land. We share this land. That's right. Not a third party. Correct. Oh. Correct. No, it's a third party, entirely different situation. So says the Gemara again. So Amar of Hasan Amar Avimi, Haser Ashutafim Hayav Ba or Hayev Ba Al Hashen Ve Al Haregel VeHachek Amar. And in turn, I know I said it before the Gemara, but it was easier that way. Here's how you read the Mishnah. And the way you read the Mishnah is you say, except for Reshuta Miyuhedet Lamazik, that's when it's my property and I damage your animal, of course I'm exempt. Now I say, However, if it's a shared property and I damage, I'm responsible. Virbi Lazar, Bil Azar alternatively, as the opposite approach, Amar Patur al Hashen Al Haregel. In a situation where it's a shared property, it's a partnership on the land, I am exempt. Vehachekamar, again, the way he reads the Pasuk we mentioned based on Rashi, Biste Aher means it has to be entirely not connected to me land. If it's in any way connected to me, even through partnership, I'm not lying. Here's how you read the Mishnah. And uh, the Mishnah reads this as one sentence. There's no comma, there's no period in the middle. It's telling you if it's the owner's property where he damages or a shared property where one of the partners got damaged from the other partner, there's no liability. How do you read the final words in our Mishnah though, according to this approach? Again, the final words in the Mishnah are, and when there's damage, you have to pay with highest level damage. Those words sound redundant. If you're telling me that those words read as part of the sentence and telling me that partnership land I have to pay for, so that's part of the sentence. It says that if there's partnership land, when you damage, you have to pay. Very nice. If you're reading the Mishnah as, uh, well, it's telling me if it's my land or a shared land, I'm exempt. So then how do you explain those final words in the Mishnah where it says, The words are redundant, they're unnecessary. When I damage, I have to pay with We're all well aware of that already. How do you read those final words? How do you explain those final words? Again, let me just be clear about what we're doing.
In the Mishnah. In, in, in where I just <laughs> <laughs> Again, but, uh, you, you're right. It, no, it, there's no doubt, Eli, there's no doubt that's what those words mean in the Mishnah. The question, again, if I have a sentence and it's not punctuated, so you can read it in one of two ways. You can understand it in one of two ways. It's a question of where you pause, how you emphasize. So therefore, in the Mishnah, you're right, we're talking about a shared land. What is the Mishnah telling me? Is the Mishnah lumping that together with when it's my private land? and saying that I'm exempt, I don't need to pay? Or is it starting another sentence? It says you're exempt when it's my private land. If it's a shared land, then I have to pay. Those are the two ways of reading the Mishnah. When it comes to Kedin, when it comes to Kedin, but what I'm telling you is with Gorin, you mentioned Shor Muad, you're for sure gonna be liable. So you're, you're, you're teaming up with Nathan on this one. Yeah, it, it, you can make such a claim for the, the chewing of the crops, you can make such a claim for the trampling, for goring, you can't make such a claim. If it's shared land, the Torah tells you even in a public area. Yes, no, no, yeah, that makes a major difference. Sharecropper doesn't have ownership on the land. Over here we're talking about ownership of the land. Uh, so the Gemara now says again, so well, how do you explain, if we're pausing the words in the Mishnah, be nice, this is where we should be using the board, um, uh, Jesse. If, 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 if you read the Mishnah, and it exists, um, if you read the Mishnah and it stops after those words, uh, again, except for the land which is individually owned by the owner, by the person who damaged, or uh, shared land, period. How do you explain those final words in the Mishnah? And when you damage, you have to pay. Those are redundant. Says the Gemara, those words, they must be coming to include something. Uh, to include what? That we don't know from our first Mishnah. They're coming to tell you even kid. Well, what do you mean even kid? Uh, so it goes like this. This is going to dust off some of our old uh, memories. Uh, the Mishnah on Dafbet Amudal, the very first Mishnah in Amasechet, mentioned four Avot Nezikim. You might recall Hashor, Habor, Hamav'e, Hahev'e. The question, the mystery from day one was what is Mav'e? How do you define that word Mav'e? Uh, so we had different approaches. It was a dispute between Shimuel and Rav. Uh, let's start over here with Shimuel. Shimuel's opinion was that Mav'eh is a reference to regel, trampling. Also uh, the Gemara said that that's very nice. But basically the question in turn was, where do you, where's their mention of Keren and Regel in the Mishnah? Uh, so the answer was Shor was talking about Regel, that's talking about trampling. Mav'eh is referring to Shein. And then I'm left with Keren. Where do you have Keren? Where's Keren mentioned in the Mishnah? The answer is in these words in the Mishnah, in this next Mishnah. Do you follow? One more time. According to Shemuel, where Mav'eh means Shein, uh, the word Shor in the first Mishnah, it refers to Regel. I have a third liability with regards to animals that's called Keren. Where is that mentioned in the Mishnah? The answer is it's a mysterious veiled mention over here. Kishizik hava mazik leshalem. That's referring to the third mysterious way called Keren. That's the, so the Gemara says that's all very nice. However, that will only work if you maintain like Shemuel. 
I'm sorry, this is a little old information. Shemuel's opinion is, again, that uh, the definition of However, according to Rav, who disagrees, as A.B. said, and maintains that Mav'eh is referring to Adam, if Mav'eh is referring to Adam, it means the word Shor in the first Mishnah is referring to everything, Kerin. Shin and Regel, how do you explain these final words? Um, how would you explain these final words in the Mishnah? Uh, they don't need to include Keren. Keren's already mentioned the word Shor. Answers the Gemara. It perhaps would be coming to include the following law which is derived in a, uh, which is mentioned in a Beraita. So let me catch you up to date. What we're up to in the Gemara, leaving aside our initial conversation of partnership on land and liabilities is how do we define these final words in the Mishnah according to one of those two approaches. These final words in this Mishnah seem to be redundant. They're teaching me something that I already know, that I have to pay when I damage. Uh, They didn't teach me anything I didn't know already from the first Mishnah. One approach, if we follow the opinion of Shemuel, is they're coming to teach us another way of damaging in the context of your animal which damages. That's called Keren. It was never mentioned in the Mishnah according to such an approach. Very nice. What if I read the first word in the first Mishnah of Shor and I saw Keren in that? What are these words then coming to teach me? Again, we read Mishnayot almost like we read Torah Shebikhtav. Every word needs to be accounted for. We don't assume the Mishnah is repeating something that I already know. So then what are these final words of the Mishnah coming to teach me? When it says Keshi, I must be coming to teach me a different law that I wouldn't have known. What's that? Let that banan lehavi Shomer Hinam, Vehashoel, Nose Sakhar, Vehasoher, Shehezika Behema Bershutam, Tam Mishalem Hatsinezek, Umuad Mishalem Nezek Shalem, Nifresa Balaila Oshiparsuha Listim, Vyaseta Vihezika Patur. Uh, we're going to have to return to each of these words over here, but the Gemara will do that for us in just a little bit of time. But what I want to just make clear at this point is the answer to that question is the following. We mentioned the four shomrim. Anyone who learned Masech Bava Mitziah is well aware. A shomer is an individual. I say, could you watch over my animal, Eddie? So you take the animal and you have to safeguard it. Now, depending on whether you're getting paid and the agreement that we made, etc., is in turn your liabilities, your responsibilities with regards to, to protecting this, to making certain that it doesn't get damaged. What happens if it does get damaged and you violated your responsibilities, then you need to pay me. These are the shomrim. There are four different ones. There's Shomer Sachar, Shomer Hinam, Shoel, and Sochem. Now, that being the case, apparently, says the Gemara, these final words in the Mishnah are teaching me that in a situation of a Shomer, where I asked you to watch over my animal, Eddie, if damage happened, there is a responsibility to pay. That's as vague as I can be right now because that's where the Gemara leaves us. So one more time, the Beraita states that these final words in the Mishnah that you have to pay when you cause damage are coming to tell you even when you're a Shomer, you're one of those people who are purposed to be watching over someone else's item. What does that mean though? Let me explain what does that mean. We have two possibilities with regards to this. Here is my animal, which I left in the possession of Eddie, and here is Eddie's animal on his land. 
Are we referring to a situation where my animal damages Eddie's animal? Are we talking about Eddie's animal damaging my animal? What is the case that we're talking about there being a responsibility to pay even in a case of Shomer? We don't know the answer to that question yet. That's what we're now going to spend some time trying to determine. But let me one more time set the context and situation for us. Our Mishnah has these final words, There's a responsibility to pay. It has to be teaching me something I didn't know already. I know you have to pay when you cause damage, when your animal caused damage to someone else's. Says the Beraita, according to this approach in the Gemara, it's coming to include even a Shomer where there is damage that happened. Uh, what's the case? Uh, sounds very obvious. Uh, what would you be thinking otherwise? Uh, that's what we have to spend time to do right now. Apparently, there's some hidush, which we'll have to determine, in a situation of a shomer with regards to an animal which damages another animal that you wouldn't have known that you're hayavim. I don't know what the case is yet. What's that? Done with partnership. No, no, no. Done. With, this oh, approach. Okay. This approach put a period before it, and now reads those final okay. words in English. Oh, Correct. This question right. doesn't apply to Rav Hasta. Correct. It's assume, only to be Laza. Why would we assume Shomer has to pay with the uh, Rishavah? I mean, it has to spell that out. No, no, no. It's a wonderful question. Apparently, it has something to do. Again. I'm playing this if I don't know, right? It has something to do with it's not a regular being damaged behemah. It's a behemah which was damaged in the context of the ownership of the shomer and your ownership. So it didn't come from the outside and kind of happened to it. It's a regular nezik situation. It just happens to be he's the shomer. But why are we going to get around? You should have watched your animal that it doesn't yeah, yeah, uh, yeah look, uh, proper question. Why Eli knows, yeah. Why are we even going there, though? This could come just to teach us that a Shomer, you would assume that, oh, he was looking over it, but he might have to pay with the best of the land. This is saying, no, you have to pay with the best of the land. Oh, that's just not true. That's why. Because a Shomer, generally speaking, doesn't per se need to do that. It's only if he's going to be causing the nets. I give it, give it a minute or two. We'll, we'll determine it over here. So again, so we have a beraita. And the beraita has a lot of words which I don't want to address because the Gemara will, will break them all down. I want to just pay attention to the first words here. Again, in the first wide line, it says, La'atuyeha de tanura banan havamazik dash lehavi. This is coming to teach. Shomer chinam vehashoel nose sachar vehasocher. I could even put a pause over there. It's come to include cases of shomrim, of any of the four situations, even a sho'el, who's hayafo onasim, I don't need to define those words just yet, in such a circumstance and situation, that's what our Mishnah is telling us. There's an obligation to pay, and not only to pay, but to pay with highest quality land. And then the Beraita goes on, it spells it out. It talks about Shotam and Shotamu'ad, and then it talks about if, if there's a, a wall which gets broken down at night. All words I don't want to address just yet. I want to just uh, deal with, well, what's, what are you talking about when you told me that if there's a damage which takes place 
under the guide, under the eyes of the Shomer, that there's a liability, as the Gemara now addresses. So we kind of closed the last conversation, but now we return to say, but, but what did it mean? Amar Mor says the Gemara four lines into the wide lines. Amar Mor, whenever the Gemara says those words, literally means the master said. It's returning to words that we mentioned earlier and giving further uh, uh, explanation to them. In other words, we just quoted a Beraita, but as I made clear, we didn't explain it, it answered the question, but now could you explain to me what it meant? The words in the Gemara means what is the case? What's the specific? Can you give me details with regards to what happened over here? You told me there was some sort of chidush in any of these cases where Eddie's watching over my animal that he needs to pet. What? What was, as I said, Judah, it sounds pashut. What are we talking about? So says the Gemara, let's, let's go through all the possibilities. Ilema, perhaps the case is, de'azke Torah de'mash'il le Torah de'sho'il. Uh, perhaps the case is the following. I handed my animal, I'm the mash'il, to um, Eddie. He is the sho'il. Sho'il means he's borrowing it, he's watching over it. And what happened was, aske damaged Torah de Mash'il. My animal, a rowdy dog, a rowdy uh, um, a bull, uh, banged into uh, Eddie's bull on his property. Under such circumstances, maybe that's what our Mishnah is telling us. It was his responsibility to look over my animal. However, if my animal is in his possession and my animal gores his while he's borrowing it from me, well, maybe over there, I'm liable to Says the Gemara, Lema le ilu azik be'alma ba'et lishlume at. Hashtad de askel le Torah didach ba'ina lishlume. Says, uh, says uh, the Gemara, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's inconceivable. There's no way of making such a claim because I should say to Eddie, hey, Eddie, you want me to pay? One second, Eddie. I'm handing my animal over to you. You are able to use it for whatever you want to use. You're called a shoel. You can now go ride on my animal. You can plow your fields with my animal. If anything happens with my animal, you're causing damage to other people, whose responsibility, whose responsibility is it to pay? Yours, Eddie. Oh, but now, since it's my animal, which... You got, which damaged your animal, your ox. You're going to make me pay? Oh, come on. Why? He accepted responsibility. He knew. He was well aware. All the details, okay, uh, too much. Uh, you need those words in the Beraita if you get a Tama. And the Beraita actually explicitly said, if it's a Tam, it's Hatzinezik. If it's Mu'ad, it's Nezik Shalem. So you can't tell me it's a misunderstanding because it's spelling everything out. So in other words, again, just to state the rhetorical question of the Gemara, this can't be the case because I should easily be able to dismiss this and say, Eddie, you're going to make me pay? If this animal, my animal, damaged anyone in the world, any of the billions of people in the world, you would have to pay. Now that it damaged your animal, oh, that's not fair. You're making me pay? This is on you. Yes, the Hidush is even by a shoel. This is true by all. Because shoel is, is, is hayav even on ones. So, as the Gemara says, Ela de aske Torah de shoel le Torah de mash'il. So rather, it's not that my animal, if you recall, I'm called the mash'il, the one who's giving my animal to Eddie, and Eddie's getting the benefit of borrowing it and using it, who damaged his animal. It's rather that his animal 
damages my animal. Uh, says the Gemara, I can't accept that either. Lemale, ilu itazik me'alma ba'et lishlume kule Torah, hashtad de'azke Torah didach palganizkahu de'meshalemetli, so de'meshalemetli, it should be able to make the following claim. Again, I gave my animal to Eddie, and his animal damaged my animal. Uh, says the Mishnah, what's the halacha under such a circumstance? There's half payment if it's a short time, right? That's what the, that was the halakha. Let, let me ask you the following question, says the Gemara. I can say to Eddie, Eddie, I'm giving you my animal. My animal comes back damaged. How much do you need to pay me for the damage? You need to pay me whatever it was damaged. We call that nezik shalim. It was worth $500 when I gave it to you, and Abi's shortam gored it. You're only going to collect from Abi half payment. How much are you going to pay me back, though? Full payment, right? You borrowed this from me, and you have full liability to pay me full amount of whatever damage it is, it, it is incurred uh, to it while you're watching over it. And as a result, you're going to have to pay me full amount. You're going to only collect from maybe half amount if it was a short time which gored it. But you have to pay me full amount. Over here, says the Gemara, I should say to Eddie, Eddie, you're telling me, and the halakha that Beraita told us explicitly is, that if Eddie's animal is a short time and it gores my animal, he only has to pay me half. Pay me half? Why? Oh, because it's your animal? I don't care if it's your animal. And let's say it was Judah or Abi's animal. In those circumstances, you had to pay me the full amount. How come over here, because it's your animal, you get to pay me back half? That doesn't make any sense. That's not a fair, it's not a fair situation. I gave you my animal for safeguarding. The assumption, or more than the assumption, the agreement was it needs to be returned exactly as it is. If it's not given back exactly as it is, even if, Morris Cadden, it's be honest, because you're a sho'il, even if you couldn't have prevented this, you need to pay me the full amount. So you come back and say, that's ah, not exactly the way you gave it to me. Okay, no problem. How much should it go down? It's worth $200 less. I'll pay you 100 because my animal, Gordon, my animal's a short time. What? No, you have to pay it back to me and pay me the full amount. No, but it was my animal. My animal's a short time. I don't care. The responsibility is on you to give it back exactly as I gave it to you. So again, says the Gemara, that can't be the case. So again, one, one more time. Ela, de Torah de Shoel, Torah de Mashil, four lines from the bottom. It must be the case is, we're suggesting that the animal of Eddie, the Shoel, gored my animal, uh, the Mashil, le male, I should claim to Eddie and say, Eddie, you're not paying me half. I'm sorry. Ilu which means to say, if it was damaged from anyone else, from Abi, from Judah, whatever, by it you would need to pay to pay the full amount of whatever my animal was damaged. Now that it was your animal which damaged, you're only paying me half? That's not fair. So in other words, the Gemara says, I can't come up with a case. You're telling me that those final words in the Mishnah are coming to tell me some hidush, something I wouldn't have known with regards to damage. Uh, the halakha is that in a situation of a shomer, they need to pay. Uh, that I know. Oh, no, they need to pay with metav. Uh, um, I kind of know that as well if it's nezik. And they need to pay half or full. Uh, none of this is adding up. What's the case? 
the, 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 go back to the Beraita, the first wide line. Go, go to the Beraita, you're right. I, I told you a lot of times not to read all the words, but and then I was assuming you did. Read it with me. Tanura banan, keshe hezik hava mazik lavi shomer chinam vashuel nosei sechav asokher she hezika behema bershutan. Now, ta meshalem hazi nezek, umuad meshalem nezek shalem. That's where they get it. That's where they get it. Oh, so that being the case, we're a little bit stuck. The Gemara makes the following difficult suggestion. Says the Gemara, Le'olam de'azke Torah de'mash'il Torah de'sho'il. The Gemara says the case indeed is as we initially suggested. The person who gave the animal, the Avi Harari over here, my animal gored Eddie's animal. Oh, one second, the Gemara said, that's not fair. Why should I have to pay? That's on Eddie. Oh, it's a unique situation. Why is it a new, unique situation? Borrow is called the shoyel. The, well, the, no, 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 in general, the answer is yes. Of course, he's one of the three shomri, four shomrim. All right, I want to say he's one of one of those people. So the, the, the Gemara says, however, it's a unique situation. Generally speaking, when I give my animal to Eddie, there's a twofold responsibility. Number one, that he give it back to me full. And if it's not full, he has to pay whatever the difference is. And number two, if it causes damage to anyone else, that's on Eddie's head. That's the general assumption. Rosh writes in Siman Yodzai, and that goes without stating. Uh, anytime I hand you my item, you have a twofold responsibility, especially a shoel. Number one, if it gets damaged, you need to pay me. Number two, if it damages another, you need to pay the other, not me. As says the Gemara, Vehacha b'may askinan shekibel alav shemirat gufo velo kibel alav shemirat nizakav. The Gemara suggests that the case over here is I gave the animal to Eddie, but it was a unique agreement. The agreement is that Eddie says to me, I'll give you back the animal whole. However, I'm not responsible for if your animal goes out, along the lines of what Jeffrey wanted to say earlier, and damages another. That was our agreement. We shook on this, right? So now, let's go back to the situation. I gave Eddie my animal, and Eddie, I said, Eddie, you gotta give it back home. He shows back, he knocks on the door, he says, here, Rabbi, here's, here's your animal. I said, oh, it looks whole, fantastic. He says, yeah, but you, you're responsible for paying. I'm responsible for paying? No, no. Says the Gemara, that's right. Eddie says, I never accepted responsibility for if it damages another. That's on you, Rabbi. So even though it's your animal, which I, I need to borrow. I need to borrow. I need to borrow an animal. Uh, oh, why would a person give it? Why would I give it? I'm a good friend with that. Yeah, he asked me to borrow it. I'm, I'm willing to give it to him. I said, you know. No, the guy's taking it's getting a great deal. He just needs to give it back, but he doesn't, he's not respons- responsible. He could just hang out. He could let the animal go. No, no, that's if you stipulate it. If you stipulate it. Generally speaking. Sho'el, 99% of the time, does not work that way. Like I said, 99% of the time, there's a responsibility, A, to return it, and B. What? No, no, that's not halakha. Shomrim are a convention. Torah tells us the standard, and we could determine it. So Eddie says when he accepts it, he stipulates. That's right, that's right. So he's borrowing it from me, and he's not a standard shoyal. On the one hand, Eddie borrows it from me and says, I'm going to give it back to you all, and if I don't, I'm responsible. On the other hand, if it causes damages, it's on me. And therefore, that's what we're telling us over here. So what's that? Okay, Baruch Amen, Amen,